to the Flourish Podcast with Dr. Tony Ingram, where you will hear straight from some of the best practitioners and leaders in wellness on how to take control of your family's spiritual, mental, and physical health, because we are all designed to flourish. Now, as a reminder, this show is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the Flourish Podcast should be taken as medical advice. For your own specific medical advice, please always consult with your own healthcare practitioners. All right, everybody. Today we have part two of an interview that I did with my mom about breast screening and imaging. My mom's name is Sherry Pyron. She's a global clinical product marketing manager with 12 years of experience in medical ultrasound product development, over 30 years in multimodality medical imaging and outpatient imaging centers, and as a radiology department head in hospitals. She's a breast cancer survivor for 17 years and a Six Sigma green belt. So I'm excited for you to be here for part two of our discussion about breast screening, breast imaging. She talks about her own experience as a patient, um, and I'm just pleased to be able to share information with you. Uh, what are there, if you're moving protons around, I would suspect that there are other risks involved with MRI. So I haven't found any studies that state that there is any additional risk uh, uh, outside of the gadolinium injection, um, it, you know, and, but I, again, I'm not in the MRI world, so I'm, I'm not intimately involved in that. Um, yeah. But it is, it is still, as we mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's balancing that risk benefit. Um, sure. Sure. You know, if you, to me, if your doctor tells you that you have very dense breasts and you need another imaging modality, um, or sometimes, unfortunately, they may say, we've seen something on your mammogram and you need another imaging modality. Um, you know, if it were me, I would say, you know, and, and I have actually in my life, they can, can we look at ultrasound prior to going to MRI? MRI is expensive, you know, and it's, it's, you gotta, you are in this big machine. And, and so I would, in, in my personal I, yeah, I would go to ultrasound first. I would ask to go to ultrasound first. You may have to, um, as I think you and I have said sometimes, you may have to educate um, your doctor occasionally. Um, and and I think that that's an okay thing. We've known to give gentle nudges before. You know, it's, I, I feel like I struggle sometimes to keep up with research and looking at studies and things like that. So I know that they can't keep up with everything. And if I have a great article that makes my point for why I would like to have ultrasound first, then I think it's I think it's just a nice thing to do to to help them understand, oh look, I have this wonderful article about Abus you know, as a, as a screening for dense breasts, let's, 
let's try this first um, before we go into anything more aggressive. And I think that honestly, it's a good test for your medical provider because I think there is an oftentimes there is an epidemic of arrogance among all healthcare practitioners. And, and I'm not immune to that either. It's kind of built in. If we're the type of people who want doctor before our name, then there comes a certain amount of stubbornness and arrogance. So I think if you send your physician an article, if you send them information that you think is imperative to your own care, and if they have the humility to handle that with grace, then you probably have a good provider on your hands. If they don't, and if they get arrogant, and start pulling out the don't confuse your Google search for my medical degree mug, um, then then maybe they're not the best practitioner, uh, especially for people like my audience who tend to want to take accountability for their own health and take their health and in into their own hands. You know, and and like I said, I I. I would hope that they wouldn't be so arrogant that they would, you know, not, not be. And now granted the article that you send them should be a peer reviewed, you know, it needs to be quality, right? Um, you, you want a peer reviewed article. You don't want something that they're going to say, well, you're looking at this. I want a newspaper article. Yeah. Right, right, right. So you want to be sure that it's quality information. Um, and and that's another thing that um, I, I will say as well. There are some, there are a couple of websites um, for women that, for breast care in general, for women that want to really know and understand and want to help educate themselves and advocate for themselves. And one of them is densebreast.org. That is a wonderful website with great articles about all of the different methods of imaging dense breasts and just breast imaging in general, as well as typical just breast care, right? They're, they're, it's a great website. Um, I would recommend it to many, many people. Um, and I'm recommending it to everybody watching this because um, it has so much information. Uh, another the really good- in the notes too. Yeah, oh, perfect. Another really good website that has a lot of good information is called hereforthegirls.org. <laughs> Okay, so densebreast.org. Yep. Breasts, plural, I assume. Mm -hmm. That'd be funny if it was singular. Yeah, well, <laughs> we try not to talk about just one. <laughs> and then here for the girls. Yep.org. Yeah. That's greatness. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Okay, so. For basic screening, all Western medicine stuff, we've got mammography is still kind of first line standard of care, gold standard, 
ultrasound. It has some really amazing things about it. MRI has some really cool things about it. If the risks don't outweigh the benefits in your particular situation. Um, Now you surprised me when you told me that you actually went to, was it an OB, I think, um, a, a, someone who used thermography in their mm-hmm. practice. <laughs> so, and have you actually had a thermogram of your breast done? Yes. Yes, I did. Amazing. Yes, I did. I, and so I, <laughs> I'm not going to close my mind to anything. You know, geek. <laughs> I like the work. Yeah. So, so the the thing about thermogram, um, first of all, I don't I don't know a whole lot about it at this moment, um, but I know a little bit. Um, the technology has been around for a while, for okay. yeah. like since the 1950s, because you know there. There are multiple things in medicine that came out of military devices. So while we don't necessarily, you know, we're not all keen a whole lot on military stuff at times, um, but the the technology that Where a lot of innovation of, happens. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get the good out of the stuff that wasn't necessarily created for good, but yeah. we get the good out of it. Um, so the 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 idea behind the thermography is that we know, and I've talked about it a few times already, the the increase of blood flow that you get into tumors, right? Um, the 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 amount of blood flow that comes into a tumor and the the new vessels that are created by this rapidly growing nasty thing, um, you know, it it will increase the heat right in the tumor that's the that's the the sort of body stuff behind this um because you get all that increase in blood flow you're going to get an increase in temperature of the tumor um so that's that's how thermography is looking at the breast it's looking at the heat it's using infrared looking at the elevated heat um so one of the one of the studies that I've seen um, that was done in 2016 showed that thermography had a comparable sensitivity compared to MAMO. The challenge that thermography had was the specificity and the accuracy. Those were lower. Um, now, like a lot of other technologies, thermography is also adding AI tools to their technology. So that may improve things. Um, and the reason why you think, oh, this would be simple, but there can be other inflammatory processes that in, can increase the heat. So that's why thermography is not always specific as yeah. you would ask for it to be, because there are other inflammatory things that can happen. So that's that's where it runs into problems. But Maybe if the AI tools can help with that, that may that may be all that mem- then thermography needs. 
Um, there are AI tools now in mammography that have been around for quite a number of years, and they they really are quite valuable. Um, it it's used all the time, all the time now. Uh, AI with with mammo, uh, they use it to like triage the mammo. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's so really interesting. Awesome, makes the radiologist's job faster, I would think. Well, so it's like a second look. It's like yeah. always, always having a- another set of eyes, which yeah. is wonderful, right? And then ultrasound now has AI, and especially with the ABUS tool um, that I talked about, there is an AI there that can also triage. Um, and then for both the standard handheld ultrasound as well as the ABUS, we have AI tools that can help classify nodules. You see the nodule, you measure it. The AI tool can help you define, okay, is this suspicious or does this look benign? And then you can save, oh my gosh, so many benign biopsies that because that's also a problem. You know, they, they tend to biopsy everything that they see you know, women get a little freaked out because, oh my God, I've got this breast mass, you know, and so you can have this second opinion already there without having to, to, you know, run to uh, another, another doctor, another radiologist or whatever. Um, So AI is uh, at a point right now to me, being the geek that I am, we are in an inflection point again. We are at this this point where the AI tools are beginning to expand the technology so well that we're going to see some some big changes, really big changes, I think, in in imaging, medical imaging in the next four to five years. That's incredible. It would, I, I think it would be really exciting. It not only if you can make these imaging tools that do have some risk, if you can make them more efficient to where they can, they can basically be smarter, but also, I mean, if it could do something like increase the specificity of thermography, how amazing would that be? Because as far as we know, there's no risk to thermography, Right. At all. It's like a fancy thermometer, basically, measuring heat at different points. Mm-hmm. Um what so we get a lot of referrals from the thermography center of Dallas um and K6 that's in Dallas. And so I wind up looking at a lot of thermograms uh day after day. And what's interesting is they t- those practitioners will say that for one, they, yes, they all agree that incredibly sensitive, not incredibly specific, Mm -hmm. but they actually like that, especially for screening when you're doing it once a year, you know, you're doing it fairly often because what they say, they kind of bring in an Eastern medicine aspect to it is you can see those imbalances. You can compare those different temperatures to set norms or established norms. 
And anywhere you can see those imbalances, you can see them hopefully before they're clinical. So not that it necessarily replaces these more traditional Western medicine imaging techniques, but man, what a cool adjunct if you can catch something that's out of balance while it's still correctable. Yeah. You know, if you can improve the lymphatic flow, if you can increase your health in other areas, make sure your liver is detoxifying the way that it should be, then holy smokes, if you could catch some of these spots while you can still correct things, then then you get the the whole shebang. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's, let's keep that AI moving forward. <laughs> as long as it doesn't, you know, destroy civilization in the process. Well, we have to <laughs> all that good stuff. You, you know, know, everything is about balance. <laughs> it's all about the balance. Even and especially the AI. Yes. Yes. Or- Definitely. You know, I, I like to look at the at the good parts of, of where technology goes. That's why it's like, oh, okay, so this came from, you know, defense technology that we were using in the military, but now we have these brilliant doctors and brilliant engineers who found the the good side of this and use it for good. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that that part I really love. Um I, I think that's that's really amazing. For sure. Okay. Fun fun questions for you. Yeah. What do you know now about breast screening that you wish you knew in your 40s? Yeah. So you know, as I mentioned earlier, we we knew back when I was in my 40s and we were and I was performing mammograms on patients we we knew a lot as far as what we what we were limited by we didn't have good answers as to what the solutions were um you know it would it would be nice to to have known more more solutions back then. Um, I do. I do wish that not only myself, but that more people back back in those days when I was in my forties, they didn't want to start screening until you were fifty. And remember, I was diagnosed at forty-eight. I wasn't even supposed to start having screening done. I did it early because I just felt that that's what needed to be done. I I had to, you know, start my screening early without any kind of reimbursement from my insurance company. Nobody was supporting that other than, you know, the the group of of medical providers that I had who were supporting me in that. Yeah. Nowadays, fortunately, here in the U.S., and I won't say that that's globally, but here in the U.S., fortunately, um, they have started screening at 40. For women that that are high risk, um, that's that's what's really important, I think, is to to be able to see that you're you're screening at a younger age 
Um, you know, I, I didn't, when I was diagnosed, there were so many things that were done out there that were like, oh, with this, this, this treatment, five-year survival rate is whatever. And I told my oncologist, my breast oncologist, I said, I don't want to hear five-year survival rate statistics because five years for me means I'm, I'm 53 then. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to hear about the, the options that I have that would give me a normal lifespan. So, you know, I, I, I would love to have had more of that information back then screening programs. I, I wish that all of us knew back then that we should, should have started screening at a younger age. So related to that, what do you know now about breast health that you wish you knew then? Well, so, you know, I, I thought that I knew a good bit about staying healthy when I was younger. And, and I did try to exercise and, and I breastfed my, my, my children, you know, and those things I knew were lowering my risk. However, there are things that I know now about lowering my risk that I didn't know then, Um, you know, I, I did not know then that there was such a substantial um, link to the amount of beef that you eat and the alcohol that you drink. Um, you know, I felt like if, as long as I kept it, kept my weight under control and didn't do, you know, things to excess, um, felt like that, that would be okay. Um, the other thing is just the association of obesity in, and the increased risk you get from obesity. Um, and of course, at that time, we didn't even know that there was increased risk with, with highly dense breasts, um, because that's in my family history. And, um, so we did, we had no, no real knowledge, um, that, that breast density was um, increasing our risk of, of breast cancer. Um, so those are the things that I know now, um, keeping myself healthy. Um, you know, there is still that mind body connection that, you know, I, I, I would never, never deny the, the mind body connection. I still feel that, that, that um, can help. It may not eliminate all things, but you know, it's it's still it's still very much a part of of that whole body health, and and I know that that's not necessarily what people would expect to hear from me, but um, that's I, I think there's a lot of us in in typical medicine, <laughs> traditional medical that that really do understand the mind body thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you, would you treat your cancer any differently if you were diagnosed today? Most likely, but that's because I, there are more choices today. 
So with immunotherapy, um, there's, there's a, a lot more options that are out there. Um, you and know, options, options that might have made you feel more comfortable skipping chemo. Maybe, maybe, yeah. um, or even maybe the chemo could have been less, but maybe, I don't know if I would have skipped it all together, but like I said, with the immunotherapies that are out there right now, they're not doing chemo as often. Yeah. That's the good part. So if, if the, if the actual genetics of the tumor, the, um, you know, cellular level of that tumor would have responded to immunotherapy. I absolutely would have gone for that. Um, you know, chemo is, is toxic on purpose, (laughs) of course. Um, designed to take you to the brink of death without killing you. That's, that's exactly right. And there are, there are effects from that, that are lifelong. And so you have to, you have to be aware of, of that. Um, I knew that because, you know, of, of being in medicine, as long as I have been, I knew that at the time. Um, but at the time they didn't have a, there were no real immunotherapy treatments that were options for me. Um, you know, maybe, maybe if I had had a, a you know, a, a different track, I would have gone into some research studies, but my, I, I was lucky in that I was caught early. There was no lymph node involvement. So there was no real desire to suggest any kind of research on me. Um, and I understand that it would not have been the right thing to do. There are immunotherapy options in the United States now or mostly in other countries? Oh, in the United States, there are immunotherapy options. I know I have a couple of patients who have, who have declined chemo mm-hmm. and radiation um, specifically to go to Mexico. And I'm not like, I don't know the, the nuances enough to know what's different about what they're doing in Mexico versus here in the States mm-hmm. or any, any country for that matter. Um, but I, I do know there is at least, I think more, more acceptance or at least less regulation of more alternative treatments in other countries, perhaps. Yeah. It depends on the country. Um, and you know, of course being from traditional medicine, I'm always kind of cautious about some of the things that are less regulated um, yeah. but at the same time you have to, you know, you have to, to consider all of the options. Um, I, I don't know as far as like, um, specific to Mexico. Um, but I know in, in most countries with Western medicine, they are using immunotherapy. I know some patients who have had that, um, here in the U S so, um, you know, I don't think it's completely unheard of. I think you have to, you know, just really, really study what you're doing. And, and you have to be quite confident 
in your physicians that are part of your care team, um, you know, wherever that might be, whatever, whatever physician it is, wherever you're going, you have to be completely confident in them. If you don't have that confidence in your physician, then your, your course of treatment is going to be much more difficult. I think, um, I think it's really Absolutely. important to, I to completely have that agree. Yeah. Because if you don't, I think with my patient base, especially, there's already a distrust, I think, of some aspects of Western medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so, so somebody who's already distrusting, who then gets a cancer diagnosis and they're scared out of their mind mm -hmm. and the only person who can diagnose that is somebody who's in Western medicine and they're going to give Western medicine option. Like it, I've seen it, I've seen it go very poorly and the whole process revolves around fear instead of revolving around healing and getting well quickly. Uh, and I think anytime a process is, is mostly motivated by fear, then, then you really mess with the mind body connection and, yeah. and your healing course won't happen the way that it could happen otherwise. Yes, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. And, and you, you can't be, um, you can't be afraid to, to like go to multiple people before you decide on what doctor you want. You, you, you can't be afraid of that. You have to be able to do that. I, and I don't know if you remember or not, um, but we, you went with me, I think for one, one visit, I went to more than one oh. breast surgeon. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I, I had strong opinions. <laughs> I was strong. Opinion. I, think, I think the one that you chose was not the one that I liked the best but you were like, no, I like this one. She seems sharper and I like how she answered my questions and that's who you went with, which is exactly what you should have done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you, you have to, you have to find that, that one that you can, you can feel comfortable with. Yeah. And, you know, I had, I had one that wanted to see things for herself in her own ultrasound and, yeah, that was, that one didn't go well. So <laughs> you, you have to, you have to have that confidence in who you're working with. Yep, I agree. Uh, so, so knowing that you have been in this field for a couple of years or more, mm -hmm. and, and you have your own personal experience, you've got the experience of several family members who've gone through this process. And I'm, and I know lots of friends also, um, you know, all the people you're like me in dentistry or me in holistic biological dentistry, you know, all the people, yeah. um, if you had a diagnosis today of mm -hmm. breast cancer, mm -hmm. what country would you go to? What exactly what you do? And you can even share, share names. If you have names, <laughs> like where, where would you go and what would you do? Yeah. So, you know, I, I have been so lucky in 
being able to travel globally um, and and meeting some amazing people doing some amazing work. Um, there are amazing people doing amazing work here. And, and I've met quite a number of them. And, you know, it's, I would still be here in the U.S. And, and one of the reasons why, <clears throat> and I know a lot of people aren't happy with our medical community right now, but we actually are ahead of other countries in implementing a breast cancer screening program in modifying the age to start our screening program. Now in notifying women of their breast density and requiring that information to be given to women. I mean, Lord knows, don't try to save us from the truth. Good goodness, help us. You're right. I mean, and then all of this for me says to me that while it's not perfect, we know it's not perfect, but it is telling me that the medical community here is, is finding a way to put the patient's well-being in the forefront. Now, is it all about the patient's well-being? No. Of course, we know that's not that it's all about the patient well-being. There is an economy, an economic portion of this as well. And what that is, is actually still good for all of us, though, because the economy portion of this is that when you find a breast cancer extremely early prior to any kind of spread to the lymph nodes, or if you find it in situ, when it's not even a real mass yet, <clears throat> or if you find it on thermogram, where it's just an increase in blood flow in, into a, a specific area, and you can stop it, the economic impact is actually really big because now you're, you're not going to have to, to spend a lot. The insurance companies aren't going to have to spend all that money on you for all the treatments and the surgeries, but beyond even the insurance companies going into as a personal economic thing, you, you're going to have much less time off from work. You're not going to have to be spending your money on surgery or treatments or whatever might be. If you're having to travel to another country, you're not going to have to to spend as much money if you can catch things early. So the screening program does help patients in both ways as far as finding things early but also on, on the economic level. So while the U.S. isn't perfect, I, I would still stay here. Um, even if my diagnosis was today, um, there are, there are some, some, like I said, some great doctors here that are doing some amazing things. Um, I know a, a, a few of them even here in the DFW Metroplex. I know um, a few in, in Chicago that I wouldn't hesitate to go to 
if for some reason my doctor in the DFW area wasn't available. Um, you know, I know some in Northern California that I would go to. So there's, there's some really good people doing some really good things. Uh, not all of them are going to be closed minded. If, if you decide to do something that's a little less traditional, um, they'll give you their opinion. And, and that's what you need. You need to hear the opinions, regardless of whether you agree with it or not. Uh, you need to hear the opinions so that you can weigh all your options. So there's some really good things being done in Europe. Um, I, I met a radiologist in Greece that um, has been really, really very active with the medical community in the EU countries. Um, she herself is also working to get dense breast notification for EU countries. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but there's there's some movement there. Um, so she's working very hard to to make that happen. Um, and so you know, there's there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of really good things. Well, that is is good to hear that even as many people as you know, you would still feel completely safe and in good hands getting treatment here in the States and even here locally in the Dallas area too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're pretty lucky. I, it real, I mean, really and truly not to be an arrogant Texan, but we really do have a lot of really cool healthcare opportunity, whether yeah. holistic and al allopathic right. like on, on both sides. There's so many great practitioners here. Um, and I'm not sure why there are so many, maybe because we're all so sick. Um, so maybe <laughs> it's not such a good thing to brag about, but there are amazing practitioners here. <laughs> there are, there are. And, and yeah, I don't know why, but there are, there are, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a nice area. It's a big area. I'm, I'm sure that all of that plays into why we are able to attract some really good um, practitioners. Cool. And so therefore yeah. good practitioners. Right. And there's, there's some really, there's some really good research that is, is even being done here. Um, so, you know, that, that part's really good. Even when I start looking at, at, a lot of the research that's that's out there, you know, there's there's still a lot of a lot of nice things that are that are being done here. Agree. Well, do you have any any parting words of wisdom or anything that you really feel like women should know? Yeah. So one thing I I hadn't talked about yet that I really wanted to to talk about is um when you when you do decide to have your screening and please 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 have some sort of screening i whatever whatever it might be uh, don't starting at 40 begin at 40 begin at 40 and earlier and, if you have risk factors you know it there's some some sort of things that would say if you have 
high risk factors, you, you could start at 35. If you're doing a like thermography or breast ultrasound, I would say that would be okay to start at 35. I wouldn't start mammo or, or um, MRI that young because it's, there's, there's just too many things that might be able to hide your, your breasts are still so glandular at that age. Um, but if you have high risk factors and you can, um, you know, talk to your doctor and, and really I would encourage what, like I said, whether it's thermography or ultrasound, those could start at 35, at least as a baseline. Um, Self-exam even earlier than that. Really, Self-exams should be started. So I, I, I don't want to talk about too many sad stories, but I want to say self-exam, you should start when you're, when you're 18 at, at the very latest and do your self-exams regularly. You learn your own breast. You learn what each thing feels like. You will recognize the changes over your cycle, your monthly cycle. You'll recognize the changes that happen to your breasts and how they feel different when you do your self-exams. Not just that they're tender, because we all know they are, but you learn you learn that different feel as as your as your your hormones fluctuate. So when there's a change, you will be the first person that notices the change. And I, I, when I was teaching women how to do their self-exams, I always would tell them, just mark it on the calendar, do it the week after your period's done. You know, mark it on your calendar after your period is finished, do your self-exam. And it's simple, you know, and don't just feel for lumps, look for skin, skin changes, any kind of skin pulling in, uh, any dimpling, things like that. Skin changes can indicate a problem too. So start that when you're very young um, because it's it can happen at any age. Um, it's it's rare in women below 35. It is it is very rare, but it's not non-existent. So just keep that in mind. Um, when you look for a place to go for a screening, if you're going to go for a screening ultrasound or screening mammogram or a screening MRI, you want to look for a place that has a board certified breast radiologist. And it needs to be a facility that is ACR accredited for breast imaging. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's ACR? American College of Radiology. Okay. And they, the, in order to meet the criteria to be ACR accredited, they, these facilities actually do have to send them images. So they know that they're taking good quality images, both mammogram as well as ultrasound. So look for an ACR accredited facility to, so that you that know say that something about the radiologist that that they hire as well or not necessarily typically an ACR accredited facility is going to have a board certified radiologist but it never hurts to check and make sure yeah you know anything's possible out there right yeah. um but that's that's 
typical of a facility that that would go to that because it's it's an extra cost for them. It's an extra time and effort for them to be ACR accredited. So that's what's more common. Is it more common for them to have that accreditation or for them not to? If they're like say a large imaging center that has multiple locations. Um, if they really are, if they're a large image, imaging center that is focused on breast imaging, it's common for them to have ACR accreditation. If they're not focused on breast imaging, if it's just so happens to be one of the things that they do, they may not be. Okay. Okay. And ask if they have ABUS. Ask if they have that whole breast Full breast ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. Okay. Those those are more difficult to find. They are out there, but they're more difficult to find. Um, but you know, those are are really good screening tools. Um they're they're no risk and they're really they're not as difficult as a mammogram. We know with mammogram you have the compression. Um you know, and, and by the way, just, I didn't get a chance to, to say this earlier, the compression in mammogram is how they reduce the, the, the depth of the breast so that they can reduce the dosage. Also, when you have dense breasts, compressing that breast will kind of spread the tissue apart. So it's sort of like opening the blinds you know, you, you sort of bring things apart so that it's easier to see through. It's a necessary evil. Of a necessary evil. Mammogram. I'm sorry. I know I, I'm, you know, I, I really uncomfortable. It is super uncomfortable. It is not, no one likes it, but um, it is a necessary evil. There. With so mammal. with the compression aspect, um, is there risk or we didn't even talk about implants and different imaging. If there are breast implants, it, does that increase the risk of doing mammo if you have breast implants or, sh or should you still do both? Is, is it still mammo first and then ultrasound if needed? So the, the medical community is always going to recommend mammo first. Um, there is some increased risk with breast implants, not for radiation. Compression the, aspect, right? The compression. That's right. Yeah. So, so there is a little bit of increased risk, risk of, of causing, a um, you know, the rupture of the implant is, is what the risk is. Um, implants that are behind the muscle have less risk of that with, mammo than implants that are in front of the muscle. Um, that's probably more information than anybody really wants to know, but <laughs> part no, of I think that's good information. Just, yeah. just part of it. Um, <clears throat> even with the, um, the ABUS ultrasound, we do, um, we do additional views when you have implants. So there is a, a, a small amount of compression, but you're not it's not bringing the breast out and compressing. It's just kind of compressing the breast against your chest. <clears throat> but the um, because the the implants don't give in like normal breast tissue does, 
they may do a couple of extra views with with the abus ultrasound in order to get the whole um, breast on when you have implants. So there is a little bit of of difference in the way that they that they do the implants um, for for both of those modalities. Uh, for MRI, it's not they they still just kind of put you in the in the thing laying face down so that you, everything sort of hangs low. Um, but then you do have that. that aspect. In, you said in MRI, they have like a little indention for your breasts to like hang down. Yeah. I feel like that's a genius invention. I wish they had <laughs> massage tables that were like that. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. So they do, they have this little, um, but so they, but they do have to like make sure that they get all the way around, um, the implant with, with the MRI. I mean, they, they can, because the MRI is, is, you know, circular, right. Um, but it just takes a little bit of, of looking around because you're not going to ever see through that implant with, with any of our imaging technologies. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Did I forget anything, any, anything you would like to share that I forgot to ask? Um, no, I think, um, you know, I, I, my, my last statistic to share, because <laughs> I like statistics. Um, but again, I, I just want women to realize that, that they can and should um, have some sort of screening done. Um, because the statistics are still one in eight women will have breast cancer in their lifetime. So I would love to see those statistics change. I would love to see that get better. Um, one in eight for a long time, hasn't it? It has been one in eight for a really long time. And, you know, our 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 mortality rate has gotten better. But yeah. um, when I was looking at some websites recently, I, I because I deal with so many different things, um, I was on the World Health Organization website and the most common cancer diagnosed in 2020 was breast cancer. So let's, let's hope that we can do something to make that better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Increase screening, but decrease finding. Yeah. That's when we know we're winning. That's, if we that's in, right. If we increase screening and in, increase finding, then it, yeah, we're glad we are finding still, more that we were missing before. Yeah, we're, we're we're that's right. We're still we're still in a hole a little bit. We're yeah. still in a deficit. So yeah, for sure. yeah we want to we want to be able to figure out you know what what can we do to to actually reduce that percentage of women who are going to have breast cancer in their lifetime. What is it that we're doing? in our lives that that is causing this to happen and you know whether it's hormones you know like birth control pills or you know whatever um or is Ever it just one thing yeah it's not that's right there there are studies out there i've i've been a part of a study ever since my diagnosis to um to, to hopefully try to find some reasons when looking at, you know, things that are in our environment from our 
childhood on. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still a part of that study. That study is still ongoing. (laughs) So I, I'm hoping that they will find some answers for us um, and keep that going. All right. Well, I'm glad you are here for the girls, like (laughs) here, here for the girls.org. Yeah, and, and we'll send we'll send everybody to that website to densepress.org. And thanks so much for yeah. hanging out for a little while. Um, this was good. I think I I think we gave the audience some good information, good tips that they can use, a good oh. balanced view because, like everything, there is a time and a place for many, many things and, and different philosophies of care. And that's all okay. Like, I, I think there's, there's a place for all of it. And sometimes modern problems call for modern solutions. And I think cancer is one of those more modern problems because we do have so much more of it now than we did when we weren't living as long. And when our, when our environment wasn't maybe quite so toxic and carcinogenic, um, so I think it, it does often call for modern solutions and modern ways of using technology to find it and find it quick and find it early so we can yeah. stop it in its tracks. That's right. That's right. It's the, it's, you know, it's, it's the beast and, and breast cancer is one of the worst beasts, you know, it's, it's, it, and it's sneaky. Oh my God, it's sneaky. Um, you can go for 10, 15 years and have a recurrence unfortunately um that was i i you know just to because it's been in forefront in my mind that was a suzanne summers she she went for a really long time with yeah wasn't her first diagnosis was in her 20s i think yeah yeah she was young and she went for a very long time and she did all the lifestyle changes and she was a holistic. Yeah. She was super holistic about her approach and, and did so good for so long, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's the the sneaky beast that is breast cancer, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out. Um, We will say bye to the audience for now. And we will see you in the next episode. Thank you, guys. That does it for another episode of the Flourish Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.